Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 64 of Storyteller Conclave. This is a show all about helping you run the best tabletop role-playing game that you can, whether you're a new storyteller or dungeon master learning the craft, or an experienced storyteller looking to take your game up to the next level. I am Sarah. And I am Rob. How are we doing, Rob? Um, I don't know if that's a valid question this week for me. How are you doing? Uh, well, I'll tell you. Um... On a light note, because I, I understand you've you've had a bit of a time this week, and yeah. we'll, we'll maybe yeah. get into that. We'll address some of it. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I put in... Um, so we're new homeowners uh, as of, like, a year or two ago. Yeah. And uh, uh, that means that we now have to do yard work <laughs> instead of living in an apartment where that's all just kind of done for us. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we've been kind of putting it off because it has been intermittently 90 degrees plus... Um, and uh, thunderstorming, and so yesterday was the first day that it was not either one of those, and so we went out to put in a little bit of uh, yard work, and I was pulling just a bunch of weeds that had sprouted up all over the place, and honestly, we didn't work that long out there, but mm-hmm. boy, oh boy, do I hurt today. I am just so out of shape. There, I, I don't even think it's a matter of being out of shape. Uh, I can definitely uh, agree with that. Um, I, I am getting older. I'll just flat out say that. Yeah, uh, yeah. I had to uh, ship something because we had uh, um, uh, Vicky's brother lives in Alaska. Oh, okay. And uh, he he can't normally get everything he wants shipped up there. When sometimes when he puts in an order for something, they're like, uh, "Yeah, it's uh, it's you know when you order this, it's free shipping, but not to Alaska." <laughs> you know, and they just don't want to deal with the calculation for shipping and that yep, kind of yep, thing. Yep, yep. So uh, instead, he had it shipped to us, and then we were going to ship it up there, and that was before COVID and all that stuff. So it's been sitting in my living room, this 50-pound box. Oh, my God. Okay. So I finally got it out the door the other day because, mm-hmm. A, I didn't have power, uh, which meant pretty much my life went got put on hold. Yeah. Uh, so I went and got that delivered, and I will flat out say delivering a 50-pound box in line at the post office when you have to stand six feet apart from everybody and hold it in open space. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, that uh, it's not a matter of how fit you are. It's just a matter of, like, the stress of oh, doing yeah. that. So, uh, oh, yeah. So, yeah, I can I can respect that. How long were you in line? Luckily, not long. I will flat out say they did a great job. Okay, good, like, good, it's, good, good. It, it's, it, the post office uh, where I go to is small. Mm-hmm. Uh, or smaller. There's there's only like two stations and a bunch of post office boxes mm-hmm. there. Uh, but they're efficient as hell. That's they good. Get, they get right through it. So I, I wasn't standing there too long, which was great. And <laughs> they were staring at me the whole time, like, "Oh God, what is that thing?" <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. so good. So it was good. So it was good. Yeah, no. But other than that, I'm doing that. Um, I got a little bit of writing done on my uh, on my game. I congratulate you for that. Uh, so I, I I popped the cork on that one. Um, I have been dragging my feet and. Uh, Admittedly, I think I think everybody's in a little bit of uh, what we call spoon deficit. You know, we're not just don't have the the mental energy or fortitude to yeah. kind of get get into the creative mode to, to do things. So both of our games have kind of been on hold. Um, yeah, you have been uh, politely badgering me. I, I have been. I've been trying to be very <laughs> been, supportive. You've been of you. nudging. Yes. Uh, but uh, yeah, finally, finally caved in. I got some. I got some writing done the other day. We we had a little conversation, uh, and you got some writing. Some I, writing done. Some writing done just before I uh, just before the power. Literally, I was working on it on Sunday, uh, and the power goes right out in front of me. So, um, the uh, the it was just it was silly. It yeah. was just straight up silly what happened. So, uh, I, I I got I think four pages into my writing of my notes and. Uh, the power goes off around me and luckily I have UPS is on everything. And I'm like, well, it's saved up on drive. Let me just shut down and Mm -hmm. we'll see how long this is. And I get upstairs and it is literally pouring cats and dogs and lightning striking. And I'm like, well then I guess I'm not writing today Yep. (laughs) or tomorrow or the next day. Cause it was two days till I got power. I mean, I didn't even realize the storms were that bad either. Cause like the, I mean, our power never went out. Mm -hmm. Um, and Sean and I have got the, got the house pretty locked up. Um, you know, we got the air conditioning units in the windows and we got the, the, the blinds drawn to keep the sun out and stuff like that to keep everything cool. Um, and I mean, we've, we've just gone so much into hermit mode because of the quarantine that I mean, we didn't even look outside. We were like, oh, it's raining. Oh, I heard some thunder. And the next thing I know, there's just like massive power outages everywhere. So it was, uh, it's, it's, it's been, it's been a pretty crazy time over here. Yeah. Um, and I, 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 I'm going to say one thing real fast here. I don't know if you guys can hear it in the mics, and I hope not. Um, I I, I uh, did not get a chance to stop the Roomba, and it is running upstairs, so there is a chance you might hear it. <laughs> oh, little Roomba. 
robot friend. Yeah, little robot though. friend. Oh, yeah, I hear him bumping around. Up yeah, there. we call him eighteen twelve actually. And if you guys have seen Farscape, you'll know uh, who eighteen twelve is. Oh. Uh, so yeah, he he's our little eighteen twelve. Yeah, Sean and I were thinking about adopting pretty soon too. You should. You this should. is not a Roomba podcast, but we will. Yeah, we will take I a highly minute. I yeah. highly recommend them. They're fantastic. Uh, and I, I say get the pet series because if you have hair coming off of your head at any point, it's yeah. worth it. We uh, um, but we they're went, worth it. We went over to his brother's place uh, yeah, yeah, for yeah, his yeah. birthday, and uh, he had two Roombas over there. One for like the tile areas. And oh one yeah, for the carpeted areas. Oh yeah, and uh, yeah, he's, he's right really above going, us. He's really going to town. With oh that. yeah, he, he he goes. Um, but uh, yeah, and, and they had named theirs, of course. Oh, I you insta- have to. I instantly pack bonded with it. Like, nice, nice. Like it was just the most adorable little thing, and I was cooing at it. Like just, <laughs> I, I still to this day think I need to put googly eyes on mine. Yeah. Yeah. Because I don't have a cat to ride around on it, so... I saw somebody that had kind of cut up a lace garter to give it a little French maid outfit. Oh, that's hilarious. Yes. Okay, okay. Yes. I can see that. I can see that. So... Give it the Yvette kind of thing? Yeah, so. exactly. Okay. Exactly. Um, so before we get into today's talking point, uh, a couple things. One, both Sarah and I are drinking, uh, and uh, we're sharing a drink for... We'll start with the success. Mm-hmm. One of our friends uh, got through uh, a tough thing. Um, he, one of his milestones, uh, finished today, he was able to, uh, sell his unfortunate uh, passing of his father had passed and it's been a debacle for him up Mm -hmm. to this point, but he finally got it sold today and it was closed. So I am, we'll give a little cheer to him and I'm I'm sorry. I can't be with you, my friend. I know this whole thing has been exceptionally stressful for you, but I am very happy that you've taken these steps and have been able to, uh, to move through it with the grace that you have. Mm -hmm. So to you. Now, on to the other things. Um, I'm not totally prepared to talk about it in full because I don't have the energy. Um, but we lost a friend um, on Monday. And uh, I'm sorry. I'm trying. Um, she was a gamer. She did not game in my groups. But she was friends to a lot of people. Um, she died very suddenly and unexpectedly. And I feel for her and her family. Um, we've talked about the loss of characters a lot. Um, but we rarely talk about the loss of friends. So I think the only thing I'm going to say more on this tonight, because it's the only thing I can say, is um, pay attention to your friends. Send them your love when you can. Um, and just be there for them. Because you never know. You never know when a character is going to leave your story. So, yeah. here's to you, Chris. Okay, we have a story. We have stuff to talk about. All right. I'm, I need to spoon away from this right now. All right. Ugh. So, uh, we got into a discussion about uh, one-player games. Yeah. Uh, oftentimes we, we talk a lot about how uh, tabletop RPGs are usually for, like, about four players and a storyteller. Unless you're, like, you know, Draven or, or, te- or Lich, <laughs> where you have, like, 20 it's people. It's, like, 11 or so, yeah. you know, on yeah. average. Yeah. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, and we, we did have some, some discussions on Discord about this and whatnot. Um, but uh, it is kind of, a, kind of a very real thing. And I've, I've seen a couple things... Um, uh, for instance, um, for those of the, the Critical Role fans and stuff like that who pay attention to the uh, the ancillary um, sort of things that come out with the crew, uh, Matthew Mercer uh, did a one-shot, one-person game for Stephen Colbert. He did. He did. For Red Nose Day. Yes. A very quick one at that. Like, probably yeah. the fastest one-shot I've seen. But... I mean, it was it was super quick, and it was it, but it was it was fun, and it was cool to see Mercer and uh, and Colbert together. Colbert was just geeked to be playing D&D. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he, he was... such a huge nerd in the first place, you know? Um, but it was really charming, and uh, you know. But so you know, if you're looking for an example of a one of a one player game, you know, take take a look at that. You know, Matthew Mercer, Stephen Colbert, Red Nose Day. Um, you'll look it up. It's 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 on YouTube for you. Um, but uh, you know, I, I know a lot of people uh, have run uh, like one player games like that. Uh, I th- I don't know if I've ever played a one player game. Uh, Draven was in a two player game with me. He was one of two people I was running it for. Um. And we had some we had some real fun with that, uh, but um, you know it does lend itself to some challenges 
Um, there, are, there are definitely good things and bad things. Like the dynamic of one-player games is completely different from running just your traditional, uh, you know, group game. Yeah. So that. How you write them, how you pace them, how you balance them. Yeah. Um, even what systems work well with them and what systems don't. Yeah, and and I think also just uh, we also kind of will expand about it because one of the things that we talked was that uh, whether or not we're talking about um one-player games or games focused on one player. Right, right. Because there's two plots. ways to do the one-player yeah. game. Yeah, you can... I mean, we we always often talk about plots and making sure you include everybody and, you know, and those people who don't necessarily want to be included, don't worry about them. But, like, sometimes if you find the group that, like, hey, guys, um, you know, I want to run a plot for Jason's character because it's really cool and I like the way he's playing his character and I've got this idea and they're like, you guys okay with me doing a one one person plot and mm-hmm. you guys all run with it. And if they're cool with it, great. Cause some people's just like writing the story mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you can do short segments in, in campaigns that might be like nine or 10 episodes that are devoted to one player. I've done a couple of episodes devoted to players. Like yeah. it's, it's lapsed over. Um, one in particular was uh, I did a seven C game that involved a dream sequence. Yep. A vision. Yep. Uh, and had all of the other players involved in it. Like all the other players knew what was going on except for that player I remember and that, I, yeah. I i i didn't tell them exactly what was going to happen but i gave them like at you know just go with the story and be as natural and act as natural and then at some point it's going to snap back to reality and we will reset the day mm-hmm. and the only one person at the table is going to realize that happened and then we're going to play through but i need you guys to play as as natural as you would as characters but ignore as players that you're basically dying mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh, i thought it turned out pretty amazing yeah yeah i definitely think that that it had the big wtf you know uh sort of sort of uh outcome that you were hoping for yes um and i think that's it's it's neat to do that on you know on a, on a one you know kind of a one-off basis yeah but like what about running an entire campaign like that, where it, yeah. someone is the main character, you know, yeah, the and, anime protagonist with pink hair? And I don't, I, I, I think when we first started this, like you would uh, not started this, but when we started the show sheet, you were like, uh, well, "There's not a lot to talk about here." Like, I mean, we can we can rehash things that we've already discussed, but yeah, like, sure. where can we go? And and my whole thought was, this is a discussion. Like we can talk for an hour about anything, you know. Let's be honest. Let's let's totally be honest. We have a microphone. Yes, right. You don't. You listen to every word we have to say. It's true. It's true. It's true. Um, But uh, I mean, let's let's get the the general stuff out of there uh, as far as like dynamics, the combat. I mean, things. There are some things that are different. So I'm going to try and lay those out a little bit and and communicate those. So if you're running a game for one player, you know, just one one on one, um, character creation is different. Mm-hmm. Because instead of basically giving them carte blanche and then figuring out where it fits in their plot, literally you're writing the plot for them. So it's it's a lot – it's very intimate for lack of a better term. You're, oh, yeah. You're having to know everything because every part that they're talking that's important to them has to come up, has yeah. to be involved. You know, this isn't someone just reading a choose-your-own-adventure novel where the character is nothing. Mm-hmm. The character is the plot. And the plot is bound to the character, so you, you want to make sure it's as tight as possible to make it as enjoyable as possible. Yeah, this means your session zero really has to be um, uh, very in-depth. Very it, has, it, has, it has to be a real a real discussion and an agreement between player mm-hmm. and storyteller, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. Um, where you, you really decide, like, where do you want the story to go? What sort of things do you want to bring into it? Because you've only got the one character to focus on. Yeah, exactly. Um I'm I'm gonna say that uh, combat is different, uh, de- depending on your system. You know wh- whether you consider it social combat or physical combat, mm-hmm. it's gonna be different than anything else because when you're dealing with one player, and and I'm not saying adding NPCs. We'll kind of get into that later. I'm not yeah, gonna yeah, discuss yeah. that at all. But basically, when you're focused on one player who's doing everything, your, your combat's different. I mean, it's gonna be more like a movie situation. Oh yeah, because. You know, who's going to run into a room full of stormtroopers and just start fighting them? Right, Han right. Solo knew better than that and ran his ass right out there. There's going to be a lot more running away, a lot more sneaking, mm-hmm. a lot more uh, carefulness, a lot more conversation. Yeah, a lot more diplomacy. You know, and and that changes a billion ways 
to handle those situations. It gives you a different perspective also when doing that. Knox in the box in the live chat says, I'm going to have a million familiars. Oh, wow. wow. <laughs> just, just an army of cats to do my uh, to do my bidding. Somehow I just don't see that working out. But <laughs> I've, I've named I've named all the ones on this side of the room after my third dead ex-husband. Oh, jeez. <laughs> those are all George. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, it changes it. It's And if you plan on doing something that is combat-heavy, maybe the person really wants to, to get into the nitty-gritty, maybe they really like those kinds of things, you really have to craft those based on the game system very carefully. Oh, yeah. yeah. I would say, um, just from my own personal experience, when, when you start running into group disparities like that, where either you've got a lot of people or you have very few people down to one, sure. especially D&D... D&D is amazingly difficult to balance if you don't have the tif- the, the prototypical uh, four-person group um, because it's all styled off of that. So if you get down to one person, I mean, you know, where, where do your challenge ratings go from there? Where do, you know, one bad die roll or so help you a series of bad die rolls? I mean, for those of us who've played D&D, we've all had those, those combats where for three turns we roll a one, a three, and a two consecutively. And that's and that's that comprises all of our combat, you know. Yeah. And so we we essentially, I mean, and, and it doesn't feel good, you know. You sit back and you just kind of fold your arms and you wait for you know the the, the combat turn to come back around to you, going, well, I guess I just don't get to play D and D today, right? Right. Because the, the dice gods have deemed it so. Exactly. You know, but if you're the only person, what are you doing at that point? Yeah. I mean, if you have those kind of roles, like it's another thing when you've got three other people in your party you've got a, a thief and a cleric and a wizard who sure. are all going to take their turns and they still get to contribute to the combat even if you don't mm-hmm. but if you're the sole combatant yeah uh, well, that's that's just some monster whipping your butt yeah for three solid turns right you right. know and and that's harsh it is but again you would you really even put a player in that situation and that's i think we're going to get more into the discussion but it's definitely something to be considering mm-hmm. um the other thing is, and that kind of couples with that, is the game speed totally changes. Now, instead of a party of six trying to make a decision on whether or not they should go to, you know, town A or to dungeon B or or go restock, mm-hmm. you know, or, or take a knee for an hour, it's one person making that decision with themselves. Yep. Like, okay, we're going. I'm going to get on the boat. It's a lot easier to pick pizza toppings when it's only you. That's, it, you know, they say that, but I don't think that's true. <laughs> You start looking at the menu going, oh, God, no, I really do want the Am I going to be a responsible person or am I going to be completely irresponsible? I know the peppers are going to tear me up, but... Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I hear you. Um, but yeah, no, 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 you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, because you, 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 you need an absolute stack of plot ready for a single person. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, I mean, you can you can kind of make up for that by you you can get a lot more intimate and embellish with things a lot more. Um, you have the time to uh, to give to NPCs and to descriptions and to conversations and stuff like that because you don't need to worry whether or not three other players at your table are entertained while that one character is having a conversation with the NPC. So I mean, that's the flip side to it, you know. You 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 do need you do need a lot of plot ready to go through if they're an extraordinarily decisive and swift person, mm-hmm. but you know without without other people at your table there to, to to worry about, you really actually can get pretty in depth with a lot of the 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 diplomacy, the conversation, the maneuvering, and stuff like that. You well, know? you can you can get through the story that you want to tell, mm-hmm. and and I think that's beautiful. You can you, if you if you're telling a story that involves one player, whether or not they are the crux of the story and the movement, you can have a setting that moves very fluidly, almost in real time, where their actions move them through the plot and of the story. I mean, one of the neat things you can do in something like that that you normally couldn't do with a group is you could technically put them alongside any story. Mm-hmm. You know, do you want them involved in a, uh, you know, a Marvel world? Sure. You could literally put them right alongside Captain America in a story. And because it's one individual, it is much easier to move through that story because the if thens 
are much lighter. They're mm-hmm. faster. It, it feels more fluid. You can put more questions in it for them to work on and munch through because, again, it's one person right, moving right. through those. It, it, it's great for gumshoe mysteries. Mm-hmm. You can have a lot of fun with those. Oh, yeah. You know, where, where your your NPCs are limited, but the, the setting is bold. Oh, you man. Know? Watch a bunch of old hum- Humphrey Bogart films. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, and just start writing. Yeah. And, and I think that also kind of leans into some of the problems of that is that you have to be prepared with a lot. Yeah. Yeah. You can't just assume that, you know, what you would normally have written for a four-hour session when a normal group is going to fly for even two hours with that individual. You know, okay, so let me let me ask you a question about sure. that. Because it, like, it, something just kind of came to mind about this is, do you find yourself as a storyteller um, kind of, I don't want to say dumbing things down, but like um, sanitizing kind of the things that the, the depth of of what you want to write, knowing that it would take a group of five or six people, you know, 12 hours to get through what you actually have written. So you've got to kind of scale it back a little bit so that they will actually complete it in one game session or two at the most. I've done that in the past. Okay. okay. I I remember writing some in-depth long stuff that I didn't think was that long. And then after trying to figure out how the scenes would break up, I realized that we were talking about a whole campaign in something that I wrote in a day and a half. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I really have to work on this because this is a level of detail bullshit that doesn't need to be here because it's not story. This is background and chunk to try and explain why this one henchman is this way. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like, that's too much. They don't need to be involved in it. They can be told a lot of this. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I think for me, the hardest part that I run into is trying to get enough of the explanation out there that people can attach to the story. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's I don't consider it dumbing down, but I do consider it filtering. Yeah, yeah. I think there's there's some things you want to explicitly put in there and some things you want to kind of just reserve for, like, if they look into it. You know, if they show interest in finding out the answer to those things, you'll want to put it in. Um, but I just, I, it, what I mean, what kind of made me think about this is, you know, the fact that you do, you do have to kind of, um, you, I mean, pacing is an important part of story, telling a story. And you know, with one player, you can your pacing can be a lot faster because your player is a lot more decisive, and you've only got one person making those decisions and one person doing the expo, you know, the exploration, making the roles, et cetera, et cetera. It's mm-hmm. literally one fourth of the work, um, but uh, also, you know, I wonder just kind of how that how that whole ideal scales out, you know, because I know I have done a lot of that where I've had to kind of like, okay, maybe I need to step back because this is going to take you guys four sessions to get through this, and you're going to be bored by then, you know, working on the same dungeon or working on the same plot. Like I've got to, I've got to have beats. And so, you know, I wonder if that's that's just a really good incentive, you know, or a really good pro for, uh, you yeah. know, running these one-player games is where you do get to get really granular with things like that. You do. You definitely do. And I think when you want to have those kind of chops, I think it's a great place to start. A- another aspect of it, which I-, I think you kind of hit upon without realizing it, um, is that in a one-on-one game, it's a great place to start a system. So, for instance, if I'm a storyteller and I've never told in that game system, a one-on-one system is a great place to start. That's an excellent point. So, like, if I don't know whether or not this is too much or too little, uh, playing with one other person, I can kind of get a feel for things mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and see how it plays out and and get a lot of honest feedback. See it in their face. Be able to work with them on it and make characters and, and have problems and, and work through answers and then say, okay, let's scale this up to three or four people now. Right, right. I mean, you, you want to, if you're trying out a new recipe, you want to cook one for your spouse rather than cook for, you know, a whole group exactly. of friends and then find out the recipe sucks. Exactly. Or it's not scalable. Right. You know, oh my God, this would cost me $300 to make in, in, in as a dinner. Oh crap, I shouldn't do that. Mm-hmm. Or yeah, I couldn't get through making one of these plus dessert yeah not making a dinner party out of this thing um so yeah i mean it's 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 got its bonuses there and i don't think a lot of people use that i mean i can honestly say i didn't think about it until i realized that a lot of times we do start new systems Mm -hmm. we do micro one shots or when we're teaching somebody we may you know like oh i've never played D &D fifth edition I played third and, and second and, you know, original, mm-hmm. you know, OG. Uh, so what's the difference? Well, I, you know, let's go through a couple scenes. 
that's that's one on one gameplay. Yeah, that's literally the it's, same shit. It's essentially it's it's running a real quick and dirty one shot for him. Yeah. yeah. So uh, you know, I mean, and 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 kind of on that topic too. Um, not only is it a great way to demo a new game system, mm-hmm. but it's a great way to dam- to to demo a new player. Oh yeah, no, without a doubt. I mean, it fits both directions, both for the storyteller and for the player. So mm-hmm. if if you're like, I've never done this before, I was like, well, let's take your character through a, an early scenario. So like, if you've got a new player who's coming into your session mm-hmm. and they've not been part of your world, you know, maybe they've they they don't know necessarily the background or anything like that, you could do a session zero with them outside of the plot to get them into the story and run a couple of episodes with just them. Yeah. And that's a, that's a great way to um, introduce them to your game world and such yep, like that. Totally, but it's also a good way to get a feel for what kind of player they might be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if they're if you know if you're not sure about them, and then you run this little one shot for them, and they're you know goofing off, or they're just not serious, or they want to play. You know, I'm Phoenix Dark Dirk. You know, and you're just like, you're not taking this seriously. Like my my you're, the the tone of your character does not fit my campaign. Like, you know, let's. Let's get on the same page here. You know, you can do that without involving all your other players in that. Um, what I was, what I was also going for though, is that um, if this person has never role played before, mm-hmm. um, and they're curious, like, how do you play D anD D? Like, okay, well, uh, you know, maybe I could run a game for you, um, and just run a run a tiny little one shot for them, or you know, or White Wolf, or Urban Shadows, or City of Mist, or whatever, you know. Yeah. Um, again, get without, without getting a whole group together, Mm-mm. you know, you can run just a little story to so give them a flavor of what role playing is Yeah, and see if they like it. Yeah. I, I think it's a great way of doing it. I think it's a great way to, to test out different things. Um, another thing that I, I read, uh, just before, uh, uh, we got too far into this, um, was that there was a guy who said like, he was trying to find, he had a setting Mm-hmm. And he had kind of a story feel that he wanted to go through. He wanted to have a mystery and he wanted to put it in a fantasy setting, particularly because he kind of had this a dream that evolved into writing that involved into a little bit of a story and plot. And he was like, do I want to run this in D&D? Do I want to run this in Fate? Do I want to run this? Like, what do I want to run this in? What's going to work? And so he actually found a friend who was not going to be in the story and said, hey, you've run these other games with me. Do you mind running some scenes with me just so I can see how it feels? And so he ran it. He ran it in three different systems to find the right system mm-hmm. that fit the feel. And, and the, at the end of it, they were both like, "Yeah, that felt really good." Oh, that's awesome! And so they just did it in that. I think he ended up in Fate. Okay, okay, okay. He, you know, he he's telling a fantasy story in Fate. Yeah, sure. Why not? I mean, it's, it's a completely universal system. So sure, sure. It's setting agnostics. So. Yeah, and so it it just worked out really well. Mm-hmm. And because um, he was originally going to start in D anD D, and it just was clunky. Right. Like, it took forever to get through a bit of it. He's like, I don't like this. I don't oh, like yeah, how this yeah. feels. Well, especially for a mystery. D&D does not play that well. Right. So so I think that you can do that with one-on-ones um, or effectively, you know, one-on shots, if you will, um, that kind of do that addition. So that gives you that that, that, that love, mm-hmm. you know, that you can you can put toward your, your what you're trying to master. Right, right. And I don't. I mean, it's not something that I, that I had considered, but I look at it and I'm like, that just seems silly that I didn't think about that. Yeah. Because we do it sometimes. Mm-hmm. We just don't consider it. So. Uh, Knox in the box in the chat says, uh, oh, sure, in the solo game they were fine, but when you find out that uh, in a group setting, sexual harassment is a, quote, character trait. <laughs> I mean, it does happen. Yeah. Um, this is not, it's not foolproof, you know, giving them a, a trial run as a one shot, um, but... You know, it it does it does at least help a little bit get you acclimated to them, them acclimated to you. Um, as you know, as always, it's it's a it's a rolling conversation. Communication is key, and you know, if the player is is you know in a group setting, uh, not working out, you definitely got to quash that. You know, you gotta you gotta nip that in the bud. But you got to be vigilant about it. You can't yeah. you can't just say like, well, they were fine in the one shot, and then excuse no, you know, everything else. Like no, it's it's not a. An X card is still an X card. An X card is still an X card, yes. Whether you're one-on-one or whether you're in a group, an X card is an X card, and mm-hmm. it should definitely be respected. Yeah, absolutely. So Absolutely. I mean, that's that's how you build trust. That's uh-huh. how you get connected. That's how you make community. Yes. It's 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 how you get to the point where, you, you feel, where everyone feels comfortable. Yeah. And there's a lot of trust in GMs into picking the right team. 
And I, I know that if I'm going to play in one of your games, I'm going to enjoy myself because you would not put me in a situation with individuals who I'd not be enjoying myself with. And if I was in that situation, you would take care of it. Yep. That's it. Yep. Just that simple. That's, that's a trust. That's exactly it. Yep. So have we beaten this one to death? Do you want, do you want to talk about uh, uh, main character stories? Yeah, we can kind of discuss that. All right. All I know right. I know you had feelings on it. Well, yeah, I mean, it was... I had feelings on it because it was it was kind of a novel idea to me. It's not. Ah, that's it's funny. Eh, okay, well, it's an unintentional <laughs> pun. No, no pun intended. Um, but it was it, it was a neat idea to me. Um, because I've, I think I've always had the the idea in the back of my head that it's something that you could do, but I I myself have never run a game like that. And so why? Um. So most of my gaming. My storytelling experience um, has been in a D&D or D&D adjacent setting. Uh, and it has always been important to me to... Uh, my stories tend to, tend to take two different, two different uh, uh, um, shapes. And that is either they're very focused on individual characters um, and their, their respective plots. And so I give a lot of... Um, I kind of run an open world and just allow the individual characters in the party to be focused on with their own personal plots and 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 wills and stuff like that. Um, right. Or, and this is more common for me, um, most player plot tends to go to the wayside because my st- my my main plot thread demands that they sacrifice their own, you know open world i'm just going to open a shop and have a wife sort of you sure. know sort of sort of things for the life of an adventurer mm-hmm. that they'll be focusing on these things and won't have really the time to go about you know settling down or focusing on a lot of their own stuff um it's just the style of writing i do sure uh, i i tend to do like larger plots that kind of involve that you know like like the poppy king plot in my game right now yeah. you know how much t- i mean you've you've had some time to express yourself yeah. And, you know, when you stopped in, 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 you know, various cities, you've gone to the temple, there have been scenes that have been catered to your priest character, mm-hmm. but you haven't had a lot of individual plot that is just there for Theodane. Correct. Um, and that's that's the, 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 the type of plots I tend to run. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but then we started talking about this and I started thinking to myself, like, you know, in, in movies and in books, you typically have one main character correct and everybody else is a supporting character and, and that's not to say that those supporting characters aren't fleshed out mm-hmm. or aren't important or don't have their own likes dislikes wants but it's fears, not a, hopes it, dreams and stuff like that it's not a tv show right it's so how would you and can you replicate that at your table i think you can should you i, I don't see why not mm-hmm. I, I don't think it's a should or should not i think it's a you can um, and I think that's where my leanings come into this is that um, I'm going to say it this way. Everyone has a kink and <laughs> and okay. s- some people are no plot. Shut like, up. Yours are weirder. <laughs> here, yeah, here's, a, here's a dungeon. We're going to run through this dungeon uh-huh. and they don't care about plot. They don't care about the background of the characters. They just, here's a dungeon. You're running the dungeon. Yeah. They just want to roll that. some dice, break some heads. Yeah. Right. Some people are, here's a book plot. You're mm-hmm. here because of this weird reason. Now we're going to run through this book plot. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it has a plot and it has a history, but really there's no depth to the characters. Then you have you know, your homegrown campaigns that weave a little bit of the character background, maybe some of the character, you know, uh, world, you know, they're involved in it. They have families, they have loves, they have interests, they have reasons. And as they evolve through the story, each one of the characters gets a little bit more attached to the world mm-hmm. and the ability to want to live or want to be part of it in sure. some way. Um, and I don't think that having a single point, um, having a single point character who is basically the reason why the plot is rolling in a direction mm-hmm. be something that is a deterrent. I think that is a different style of play. I think that it is, it is impeccably harder in some ways and easier in others. Mm-hmm. Um, because, and I say, I, I use impeccably because when I think about it is you have to focus, you have to implica- imply that that one character is important, whether or not they live or die changes the story completely 
and it's it's hard when you think of stories like that are like that. For instance, like when you look at the story of of um, Percy Jackson, mm-hmm. the story is bound around Percy Jackson and his trials and tribulations. Every time you read the book, regardless, yeah. there are other characters. They do have some development. There's mm-hmm. no question about mm-hmm. that, and they do have their own backgrounds and reasons why they're around. But literally, those could be you could take each one of those characters and write maybe two pages on them. Mm-hmm. Whereas with Percy, they get uh, nine hundred pages. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. he he gets to do all these things. Um and that's the difference. That that's the key difference there and I don't think it makes it any worse. Nor do I think that um nor do I think that stories that are are broken up into focused character plots, Lord of the Rings is a good example of that. Mm-hmm. You've got the story of Bilbo. You've got the story of Frodo. You got the story of Aragorn. Air, yep, yep. You yep. know, um, so each one of those is its own story that is kind of independent and focused. Um, you do have other stories going around those. Um, they're not nearly as strong. They do motivate the plot, mm-hmm. but the plot for the main character is still rolling. Nothing's changed. So when you lean into doing something like this you have to kind of set that boundary with your players up ahead of time to say, this is where I'm going. Mm-hmm. This is how I'm doing it. Oh yeah. Yeah. This is definitely so, not something you spring on a group. Like you no. really kind of need the, the, the group buy-in for this. Yeah. You know? And, and because of that, they may buy in and be like, yeah, this sounds like a good idea. And then three sessions and be like, you know what? I'm really not I don't like being a one page side character. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Um, but other times you'll have characters who are totally for it because they would rather just watch things go by and throw popcorn and scream oh, yeah. and like, don't go in that door, you know, Absolutely. kind of a thing. <laughs> um, I mean, I've, I've got I've got one or two players in, in my own campaign who are like that. Um, uh, you probably know which ones I'm talking about, um, who, you know, they really don't care what, what, what goes on. Like they're not looking to drive plot. They'll, they'll interact with whatever plot gets put in front of them. Surely they're all there having fun, but you know, they don't, they don't mind being a supporting, a supporting role. Um, I myself in uh in your game mm-hmm. um have traditionally played uh, uh 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 supporting characters um the first supporting character was mostly because I wasn't there at the beginning of the plot so I didn't know what was going on enough to you know to to roll my sleeves up and get involved so I said you know what just whatever just make me a, a big dumb fighter and uh I'll go you know I've got this character concept how does this work and you went that works great um here's a little backstory for how that character fits into my world and my role was essentially giving color commentary and hitting things. And I did both pretty well, I think. No, I think it was wonderful. It gave me, I had a perspective of who your character was in my mind's eye mm-hmm. of how I wanted to kind of roll with it. Mm-hmm. Cause you gave me your perspective of where you're coming from. We kind of had talked a little bit about the place where it was, where it was at. And I think you fit that world perfectly and jumped in. Mm-hmm. But I think just like an episodic TV show, the character stepping in, was just that was a fit character who fit in, yep. ran with them for a while, and then stepped out. And then, and yeah, and then when that character no longer served their purpose, they stepped out. And then I, I rolled a new character, which is my current character, Ravana, um, who also was kind of a filler character. Again, she's got no direct ties to the plot. She was hired as a as a guide, essentially as a trail guide to get them through the mountains. Um, and uh, I, I would say that the, the pros and cons of playing that support character is that, um, you know, it's definitely good because I was able to just jump into the, the, uh, the, the action and support the main group. It made me feel good to, um, to be there for them. And it's, it's kind of, in a way, kind of relaxing not to have the responsibility of a bunch of plot on my shoulders. Um, in that I can just kind of worry about where my next cone of cold is going to be pointed rather than, uh, you know, is the, is the fate of the world going to whinge on my next, uh, uh, on my next decision? Um, but at the same time, there are certainly points where I do kind of go, you know, I'm not really invested in any of this. And I know everybody else has a lot of emotions about things that are going on right now, but I just can't summon a give a damn, you know, mm-hmm. and but just simply because I don't, I don't have the tie to the story that a lot of other people do as, as a supporting character. And, you know, it's, it's kind of a give and take. Um, there's, there's pros and cons to it. I, I still do like playing the character. Um, you're adding more plot for me now that we're kind of in the third chapter of your story. Yes. Um, 
And so that's kind of exciting to see, you know, what as 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 a lifelong support player in your uh, in mm-hmm. your, your your group, finally actually having some plot handed my way. Now I kind of don't know what to do with it. I'm like dog chasing cars, you know. <laughs> Tis true. Tis true. I'm ha- I'm handing you crumbs. Yeah. And you're you're starting to recognize them. Like, wait, I I can smell this. This this is mine. Wait, wait, food, food, exactly, food? exactly, mine, mine, mine. And and it's taken me a while to get your character that part of the story because the other players have had so much investment mm-hmm. and they're tired. Like they're, they're like, can we get through this? <laughs> like it, it feels like it's been a struggle and that's kind of where I wanted everybody at. And that's one of the reasons why my story starts in a desert is you guys are in the exhaustion state of the story. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there's going to be a point where it comes to an end, but this is the part where you guys are, are starting to start to come out of the desert, if you will. Mm-hmm. And that's the difference. And so I'm, I'm. Well, yeah, we're coming out of the desert. There's damn sandworms out there. You're damn right there are. They're giant. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> um, I was noticing Knox is writing quite a bit here. He, uh, he is. Uh, he actually wrote something. I want to. Um, when we get to our questions and answers, I want to answer something he wrote in sure. the live chat as one as our first question because it was a, whether he knew it or not, it was a really good question that I do want to answer. Nice. I, I do like, is your name on the cover? No, then you don't get to be part of the story. Neener, neener. <laughs> <laughs> that is, that is true. It is true. Like, you know, uh, I, I think that I don't think there's a problem with running main character plots or, or even campaigns per se. Mm-hmm. I think they can be very good. One of the first seven C games, actually, I think the first seven C game I played in, we, one of the main character was a, uh, was basically a, uh, a iron prince, to be in Aizen, uh, which is a huge title. Um, and he was trying to put back together the original armor of the Eisenfaust so that he could rebuild Aizen. And uh, everyone else kind of supported him. Um, and it made for a, a very drag-along kind of story. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what I had come to find out, and I, I think this is still true, is the game had started as two players and one storyteller as the first couple sessions. It was a very small game to open with, with the player as the main, one player as the main character and the other one just supporting them literally as the Rukin, their, their armor, their back uh-huh. armor. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, uh, it then branched out and added other players and, and eventually opened up to six people playing at the set in the sessions. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it, but it still followed him. The plot was his. Yeah. And it didn't feel weird. Cause again, I stepped into that game as a side character. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, yeah, I'm a side character. No big deal. And the storyteller was like, okay, and kept telling the story. And it was just like, I'm fine with just enjoying this view from where I'm sitting. Yeah, sure. That's sure. great. And sometimes that's that's where they need to be in the story until they get to be part of the role-playing group. Right. And I think that's I think that's the, the, the important thing is if you are going to do that one-person story, all the supporting characters have to feel important enough to get them invested, you know. Um, like the Dresden Files, I, I know I bring this up a lot on the show. Um, the, uh, the newest book just came out. Um, so we're all, we're all in hype mode about that right now. Um, but, uh, you know, nobody, nobody will tell you that Karen Murphy is an unimportant character or that, uh, you know, Kincaid is an unimportant character. You know, Michael Carpenter is not an unimportant character. You know, they're, they're definitely side characters. They're not even in every book. Um, with, maybe with the exception of Karen Murphy, but that's splitting hairs. Um, but when they show up, they serve a function, you know, Harry is definitely the main character and the story is all told even from his perspective. It's a first person storytelling. Right. Um, but you know, Karen is an important person who does things in the story. She affects change. Right. So if this were a, a tabletop game, you know, Karen Murphy's player, um, would feel integrated Mm-hmm. into the story and important to the story because she does things that Dresden can't. Right. You know, she's a police officer. She's right. his tie to the normal world. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Kincaid is a militant and we're, you know, uh, uh, where Harry gets tapped out on magic and stuff like that. Kincaid comes in with a 50 cal sniper rifle <laughs> you right. know, and gets things done. Dresden doesn't have a 50 cal. No. Nope. You know, he's got magic, which can replicate that until he gets tired. Right. You know, um, it made me think just now as you're talking about it, cause you're talking about Dresden and my brain actually went to comics. When you look at a comic, <laughs> oh no, she can open jars. Harry can't he do can't that. He can't do that. He can't do that. Um, when you look at comics, comics are often single point. 
in a lot of early comics especially, were single-point characters. You had supporting cast that was around them at times, but for the most part, we know our comics to be single-point comics. Mm-hmm. And I'm not talking about magna and I'm, manga, and I'm not talking about, you know, anthologies or archives like the Fantastic Four or, or you know, uh, Marvel superheroes or any of that stuff. I'm talking about, like, when you're reading The Punisher, you're reading a comic that is following The Punisher. Mm-hmm. There are other characters in it. Without a doubt, there are other characters besides the antagonists, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know. But it's about The Punisher, and it doesn't deplete from the story in any way. So I think that's where our our where the struggle comes in is is that we think that all players need to be the punisher and we, we and we try to make sure that everyone has as much screen time and sometimes that's not the case and sometimes you know people are very comfortable with just drifting in the background until maybe they get a little side story mm-hmm. and so i think that is a very valid way of doing it yeah yeah so you want to do some questions? Yeah, we got like fifteen we, minutes and good questions. Yeah, we got to we got to get into some questions plus, here. Plus, you've minutes, got okay. some stuff in here you want to go over. So. Uh, yeah, well, no, it was actually just a, just a real quick thing. Um, uh, so, Knox in the box in the live chat asks. I mean, you just scroll over here and find it. Um, he says, uh, "Here we go." Uh, yes, but can you run a dungeon loosey goosey and have multiple lives, and it doesn't matter how many times I die, just keep trucking through it? Do tabletop RPGs have checkpoints? <laughs> Knox. I'm speaking directly to you and anybody else who has this question. The game you're looking for is called Paranoia. Oh, yes. Uh, It is a fun game set in a dystopian future where the the storyteller is a, uh, the over, the, 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 the computer. Um, and essentially they are a authoritarian, all-seeing, all-knowing computer system, artificial intelligence, that runs the entire thing. Everybody is plays clones, and you have six clones that you get to, uh, to essentially have. Um, yeah. It is an extraordinarily lethal game. It is funny as hell. Uh, because a lot of it is broken. Uh, one of the major functions in the game is that everything's broken down into clearances. Um, those clearances are color-coded. Um, and if you do not have the appropriate clearance, um, touching something without the appropriate clearance is treason, and treason is punishable by death. Report for termination, citizen. And you end up going through clones like toilet paper. So, um, it can be a lot of fun because it is exactly as serious as it sounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've heard some really great stories about uh, about games of paranoia, and even when they are terrible, they're pretty damn fun. So I I was in one game of paranoia for about three hours because it was started. The character creation was started before I got to that guy's house, uh-huh. and so I sat down and literally was thrown into it with the, the storyteller n- not being forgiving. Like, everyone else was like, oh, you're being a new character. Okay, so oh, yeah. here's what you have to do. And blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, are, are you guys playing with me right now or, or what? Because I couldn't figure out what if they were telling me character creation from a factual, trusting, friendship kind of way. Or if they were telling me things I should be doing to kill off one of my clones. Because I died in one of the discussions we were having. <laughs> and I'm like, what did I do? And, like, one person genuinely looked at me in shock and horror and were like, I'm sorry, I had to. And I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, what you said was treasonous, and, you know, the computer would have killed me had I not... Yeah, you know, exactly, exactly. Yeah. And I was like, what? what? The thing that I love the most about uh, about the, uh, about the Paranoia is that the rule book itself is considered ultraviolet clearance, so yes. quoting the rules to the computer is considered above their clearance level yes. and, and is, is punishable Provoy by term- Termination, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. All right. So Sam asks a good question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I want to start with Sam's because I think it's a good place to start. And that is, what kind of games work or don't work with one player? I'm going to flat out say that you can technically play any game system with one player, um, but you may have to make tweaks. Mm -hmm. Um, And, 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 like, for instance, if you're going to do D&D 5th edition with one player, you're not going to be running them through the same kinds of... uh, scenarios as you would with three or four or six players or more let's yep. just say more um you're going to make choices that are different and you're they're going to make choices that are different um but i think you know fate or or uh, city of mist or any any game system really adventure you could do anything technically it's just a matter of making accommodations at the right times mm-hmm. i think um game systems that that are less tactical 
One hundred percent agree. One hundred percent agree uh, that those are the 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 choice for lower player count games because with uh, like I said earlier with D and D, you're scaling. D and D is built around scaling around four player groups, right? Um, and so when you start adding more, your scaling kind of goes off because you need to either make the uh, all of your combats extraordinarily lethal, or mm-hmm. they'll last three turns while they just gang beat the uh, uh, the, the the bad guy, right? Or you need to add so many more monsters to the field as to turn it into a gigantic tactical slog where a turn takes three hours. Correct. And I think that's, I mean, it's a balance. Mm-hmm. I mean, Mordheim works over forty uh, over Warhammer. Well, yeah, but Mordheim was built as a skirmish game. Though. Right, but that's my thought is, uh-huh. is that it is a, it was a, a world setting that was changed to fit a smaller tactical group. Yeah. But yeah, it yeah, still yeah. fits the feel... That is the tactic. And they did that with, was it squads? What did they call the other one that was the 40k version? Oh, Necromunda. Necromunda. Yeah. Um, was another one of those. I, I was and then they, they of, have Kill Team now. Right. Kill yeah. Team was the other one I was yeah, thinking yeah. of. Or Gorkamorka Monster Truck Rally. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get to that one day. Um, but anyways, uh, the Blood idea. Bowl. Blood Bowl. Oh, yeah. God, Blood Bowl. So uh, there are all kinds of ways that you can take systems and cut them down. And I think, the you know, you don't have to be heavy in math or anything like that it's a matter of watching where things slow down Mm -hmm. and if things slow down and start feeling cumbersome start reviewing why yeah yeah and and just immediately start you know you you can take an axe to certain things uh but the core rule set try and keep but like if if it's a matter that your player is getting into combat and you're starting to throw too many monsters at them don't throw throw some obstacles like john wick doesn't fight 13 guys in an open arena he fights them in a bar which has pillars Uh and they come at him one at a time because none of them can get through the gap yep i mean that's just good math Mm -hmm. you you could do the same thing take D &D off the table tactically you don't need minis for a one-in-one game Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you can you can definitely it definitely adds a scale to things but don't. You don't need them, and you don't need the movement then. You can remove that out of it. You can you can make judgments on the movement. Yep. You can make different roles for athletics and things like that. You can cut down the number of roles in combat if you want to. Uh, one one thing I like is, uh, you know, like speeding up combat where it's like, you know, if you're just beating on rumpties or mm-hmm. you know, brutes, as you would call them. Yep, 7 is um, a great way of doing it. You know, a necromancer sends three zombies at you or something like that, you know. Don't don't have them have eleven hit points and that you know obnoxious con save that makes them get back up if you don't kill them with radiant damage or a critical hit or sure. things like that. They have one hit point mm-hmm. and they die when you hit them. Yeah, you know, if because, you hit them brilliantly, because do something they don't awesome. need to. They're a story element. You know, exactly. it's not about the tactics and about the numbers and stuff like that at right. that point. It's about creating a horror scene or a chase scene where yeah. you have to get through these zombies to get to the necromancer yeah. or whatever. Right. You know? are, are you playing a board game? Yeah. Because that's what it's feeling like. You're playing a board game. Right. And it, I mean, in a lot of ways, D&D does play like a board game. It it's does. A very, it's a very tactical game. But for one player, though, you, there's no You're, tactics. There's right. just movement and then you're missing plot and the person now has to re-catch up with what's going on in the plot exactly yeah. exactly play it like princess bride you know he literally steps up slays four guys in one fight and then continues chasing after him yeah the duel was epic but during that whole duel they were talking mm-hmm. that's that's what you want yes you want the drama and stuff you like that. want seven that's, that's <laughs> well yeah yeah but at the same time you also want urban shadows you do um City of Mist, I could see uh, uh, with a, with a low player count. I don't Adventure, see why. Um, it, it, yeah, really any of the White Wolf stuff. Yep. Um, actually scales remarkably well with lower player count. It really does. White Wolf is great about going rules light when you need to. Mm-hmm. Seriously, quick rolls, rule light. Yep. Uh, all right. Uh, so Overwatch asks, uh, focusing on one player seems like it would naturally be a more engaging and entertaining for that player. Uh, like a one-on uh, one-on-one teacher-student learning session, but how do you keep one-on-one gaming sessions uh, engaging for the game master? That is a good question. I mean, you're a player too. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, I'm gonna so let, you're, I'm gonna you're let you roll. At, you're looking at me like I'm gonna let you roll with this one. Oh, bit. okay, okay. Um, I don't know. I mean, to me, I think uh, a lot of the fun that I derive is leaning into the fun the players having. Um, because most of why I storytell in the first place is just honestly about my friends having fun with something that I've created. The joy, the joy of on their faces. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You know, when, when, when I, I described to, uh, to Rigar, 
uh, like to to me, this is like the the moment that will always like it, it, even if my campaign ended today, okay, I will still have called it a success for having that look on our uh, on our, our our fighter's face. Um, when I described to him, he'd he'd gotten this glass greatsword, and for those of you who know the Elder Scrolls setting, glass is not actual glass. Right. It is a a meteoric crystalline iron. Soka alloy sort of space thing. Sword. It's Soka, Soka Space Sword is what That's we're right. calling it. So he gets this glass great sword. Now, I don't know if if um, the, the, the player actually knew, you know, all the properties of glass and stuff like that. But, you know, I described it to him being a pretty beastly weapon. Uh, and at one point, he got in a fight with a black pudding um, and slashed directly through it. And uh, I, I described him as uh, hearing a sickening, cracking, splintering noise as his sword impacted the stone floor. And his face just went crestfallen. And he was like, oh, my God, what have I done? I destroyed my sword. And I said, and as the the black pudding recoils and splits, you know, one side goes left, one side goes right, you see what actually cracked was the ancient stone that your sword is embedded in, not your sword. Right. And his face went from crestfallen to nearly looking like he was going to pop like a ripe grape. Christ- from Christmas morning. Yeah. yeah. Just absolute Christmas morning, the thing that he's always wanted. Yep. That look on his face will be with me forever. And that is why I tell stories, you know? No, and I, I think I think that is the same leaning for this. Yeah, exactly. If you can get that sort of enjoyment out of your player, if you lean into the fun they're having, yeah, um, in a in a one on one session, you know, if they, because you don't have to, you don't have to tend too many people, you know, you only have one person's uh, <laughs> enjoyment to tend to. So if you see them taking the plot in a certain direction, if you see them liking their combat aspects, or if you see them, you know, having fun with their character's extraordinarily high explosive skill, or whatever they've got exactly. on there, you know. Let them let them have fun with that a little bit. I know? think that's true. Tell for, that story. I think that's true for a lot of things. And I, 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 it's somebody made a point, and I didn't want to necessarily say it, but I think it really puts it into perspective. Is that one-on-one sessions are intimate. Uh huh. Regardless of how you look at it, you're getting to know the person, you're getting to know their player, you're digging into the dirt, you're you're working together, you're creating a story, and because of that, a lot of it has to do with leaning into the other person and watching their enjoyment. Mm-hmm. If if you've ever taken somebody out on a first date or been on a first date and the other person is, you're looking at them, watching their reactions to something, whether it's you're taking to a movie you love mm-hmm. or you're sitting down and watching a movie you love. Yes, actually Netflix and chill. Um, <laughs> and you know, actual actually chill. chill. You know, or <laughs> or you're taking them to some place that you love, a view, you know, uh, or, or a concert, and you sure. look at them and you see their enjoyment that's the same thing yeah literally no difference that's the joy and rapture that you get personally and the satisfaction of they're enjoying something that you love and that's that's what it is yeah absolutely that that's my capture and take back from from storytelling you want to squeeze one more and we got like two minutes left (laughs) Uh, all right so nox asks uh what are some ways that you can have your world slash story provide the assortment of options for a player that wouldn't think of them themselves and doesn't have other players to help them brainstorm these options organically how do you make sure that you don't lead them or have the player freeze up with analysis paralysis i think it's a great question it's a great question the first thing i say is npcs that are not giving them suggestions Mm -hmm. but that are showing them opportunities yes yes I i think that's really where it comes down to Mm-hmm. Is they have to live in an organic world where these inspirations can come from them or to, to them organically. Yes. So either things that they encounter, um, give them an investigate check to find something, or yep. you know, get, uh, some sort of an intuition check to look for clues if they're stumped. Um, but, but you you can there's ways to lead them without yeah. making them feel led. And exposition should always be fact. So if an NPC is telling them something, it's one thing. But if you lean into them and say, and you know this, mm-hmm. that's fact for them. Right, right. Your your Arcana score is, you know, a 23. So, yeah, you can reasonably assume A, B, and C. All right. All right. Time to wrap up the discussion. Uh, we are going to uh, talk about gaming group etiquette. Uh, it's a subject we've talked about in the, uh, in the past. Yeah. Um, but we are going to be uh, discussing it a little bit, uh, a little bit again. Yes. Um, it's always a good uh, good uh, subject to read refresh yeah. from time to time. Um, so you can find us up on Twitter at st underscore conclave, on Instagram at st underscore conclave. You can listen to us live every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern time on mixlr.com slash storyteller dash conclave. 
and uh, join our Discord. You can find the link up on our Twitter. You can find it on our website also. Uh, and that website link is uh, storyteller-conclave.blueberry.net. We'd like to thank our Patreon members like we do every week, but especially Knox in the Box, Sam, and the Arcane Asylum. Thank you for supporting us as you do every month. It is wonderful, and it helps us keep this show going. Our intro music is Beyond the Warriors by Geefrog. You can find that at geefrogmusic.webly.com or on Google Music. Our outro, which you're hearing now, is Only Our Footprints in the Sand by Midair Machine. You can find that at soundcloud.com slash midairmachine slash tracks. And big shout out, as always, to our families, Vicky and Sean. Thank you for staying with us through all this. Our friends who've sat with us at our tables over the years and to you every single one of our listeners we love you stay safe good night good night